Welcome to the first ever Butcher Barbecue Podcast. We want our podcast to be educational from catering to restaurant to the people that's in the business, even how to bring barbecue sauce and rubs to the market to sell. First episode, we've got my son, Levi Bosca. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The Butcher Turned Pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome everybody to our first ever Butcher Barbecue Podcast. We are excited to get something going. We have tried many different ways to visit, chat, talk, educate. Everybody loves Facebook. Everybody loves YouTube. And flat out, it is just hard to have time to do that when you're a one-man operator. Um, with the podcast world, I think is where I'm wanting to grow and go. So with that in mind, I'm wanting our podcast to be educational, entertaining, and most of all, I just want everybody to learn from everybody else's mistakes and just, just that let's, let's teach everybody of how to, of what we've already done, what we're, where you want to go. Let's ask questions. Um, so today I've brought in my son, Levi Bosca, owner, operator, pitmaster of the Butcher Barbecue Stand, the restaurant just right down the road from the warehouse. He has been with me, everything you can imagine from cutting meat to, oh gosh, um, cooking. So Levi, introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Levi Bosca. Hey, uh. that was short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> What, what today is, is like I said, it's going to be our first episode. We're going to go over some trials and tribulations. We might even delete this and start all over. We don't know yet. Um, Hopefully but we hit record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope the record button's working. Um, we're going to tape this. We're going to ask questions back and forth. We still want this to still be an interview of Levi, but we want you to get something out of it as a listener. So let's start with this. Levi, what up? Tell me about yourself. Tell me about what you got going. Just tell me how. Um, tell me your daily operations. Tell me what you got going. Uh, let's see. Today is Tuesday, so I uh, run in the restaurant. Tuesdays are my truck ordering days, so I'm usually at the restaurant doing inventory and trying to figure out everything, laying out the uh, caterings for the week, um, calling people back from the weekend. Uh, lining out my week for cooking schedules and everything like that. And then I order my semi and unload that tomorrow. I get payroll done on Tuesdays. Um, that's basically what Tuesdays are, is half day of work, of paperwork, and running errands. So you said you order your semi. Mm -hmm. Explain to people what that is. So we get a food delivery once a week. Um, obviously, everything we do is fresh. And so to do that, we have to cook everything every week and sell everything every week and get a fresh truck every week. So, um, we order our trucks on Tuesdays. We get them very, very early on Wednesday mornings. And then we start doing prep on Wednesday afternoons and the Thursdays. And then, uh, we're only open Friday, Saturday and Sundays. So the fable of you only open three days a week, that's all the days you work. That's not really true. <laughs> no, people will come up to the restaurant all the time and be like, Hey, uh, it must be nice to only work three days a week. I'm like, yeah, come hang out with me for two weeks and see if you can handle it. Yeah. That's I put in 80 hours in three days. That's what I tell people. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. Plus on top of that, you're, you got your household world. Yeah, I'm a full-time dad and full-time husband too. And so that it's a, being married to a restaurant and being married to a, a woman that's way stronger than a restaurant, then it's, you just have to weigh it all out and 
try and provide for all three. Yep, that's exactly right. So let's let's back up just a little bit. Let's start with let's start with the restaurant. How did you come up with that idea? What were you doing when you thought of that? So I can tell you exactly where I was. I was at the Grateful Head Pizzeria in um, Broken Bow. Wait a minute. Say that name again. Grateful Head Pizzeria. It's a pizza and oven. Okay. Or it's a oven and uh, it's like a pizza oven and bar. I think is what they or tavern and bar is what they what they call it. Uh, we were just on like a guys trip and uh, they had a really cool back porch and we were sitting there drinking a beer and I was like this feeling I had sitting in this at this deck uh, talking to friends and stuff the atmosphere the music everything like that I was just really like I want to I want to show people this this feeling I have bundled up in this jar right now I want to be able to open it up and share it with somebody and so what I did was I literally I still have the menu I went and grabbed a to-go menu from them and I started drawing pictures I started having all these like weird visions and uh started drawing the barbecue stand there and all my buddies are like what are you doing I'm like just let me do this and so I started drawing these photos and came back we still had the meat plant was still open and I remember coming in and uh going to work that day I was like I want to open a restaurant and you're like well if anybody could do it you could do it and then we we're like hey dude we could put it in a connex because our old meat shop was a connex and we started walking around going, dude dude I don't even think we cut any meat that day we got nothing done <laughs> so I we, think you're right. we started we started flowing and uh trying to figure things out. And so that's kind of how it all began was um, just this feeling of wanting to share something special with other people and, a, and create that atmosphere. I think atmosphere is 98% of your restaurant. So would you say atmosphere is even over location? Mm, yeah, I think so. Equal? Uh, I think if you provide a good atmosphere, so a friend of ours uh, always told me that you want to over promise and over and a lot of places over promise and under deliver. And he said, what the difference is, is really successful places. You can be anywhere and over promise and over deliver. Then people always come back. And so I feel like that's what we try and do is over. We uh, under promise with the, the motif we had. And then when they show up, we over deliver. And so we're uh, just, it's an all around kind of deal for us. That, that's right. I, I agree. I mean, we're sitting in a town population of 14, 1500 total. Yeah. In town, it's not that many. That's that. Yeah. There's a lot of people live outside of Wellston. Yeah. And look at the crowds that you're pulling. So it's obvious location isn't everything. It is important. It's very important. I mean, we are on Route 66. That's important. But I mean, I mean, you know how many people told told me and told you and told everybody that they would never work because of oh it's out in Wellston. But I mean, you know how fun it is to let people from Tulsa or Oklahoma City they make it a trip. Like it's a fun thing for them to do the deal all the way out here. It's a Disney ride. They get in their car and they know they have a forty five minute drive and they get to drive down Route sixty six and then yeah. they hear stories and then they pull up and there's a line and they're like, Holy crap, the story's real and then you know what I mean? It's just, it's just the whole thing. It's a Disney ride. Oh, cool. I like that part too. Had never heard it actually explained that way. But anyway, okay. We're in the Connex. We're having what we used to call a board meeting, <laughs> yeah. which we called standing in front of our cutting boards, uh, chatting and talking and trying to figure out things. Um, go from there. What would your next step? How would you tell someone what you did if you was trying to step it out? Um, so the property... So I'm a third generation barbecue and second generation butcher. So 
there's a piece of property on Route 66 my grandma already owned. My grandma and grandpa opened up uh, Pioneer Camp Barbecue in uh, 95, and it burned down when I was 17 in 07. And so there was land next to that restaurant that I kind of already was like, well, let's see if my grandma would be courteous enough to let me try and buy that from her with no money. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I called her, and I thought I was going to have to get on my hands and knees and beg, and I told her my idea, and she didn't even budge and was like, it's yours. And so that was kind of my, that was the really the start. And then you helped me buy the Connex. And then it just, it, it just developed from there. I did, I try and tell people all the time that that restaurant, the opening of that restaurant, it wasn't my restaurant. It was everybody else's restaurant because I could call a buddy and be like, Hey, I have a pile of rock here. The shovel is taking too long and somebody would drop off a skid steer for me or so it was just a lot of community helped me get everything done on that. And, and I would say that as far as like the licensee thing, license things like electrical and plumbing is the only thing we didn't do. We did all the work to it and that's what had to been done to get something off the ground. I had to start with a low cost and to be able to afford to be open the way I was going to be open until like we got the following that we did. Yeah. And, my input on that, um, being in business, I absolutely understood the overhead aspect, mm-hmm. something that a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. If you think, well, overhead, Daryl, that's rent. That's No, there's so much more to overhead than, than a fixed expense. And we said from the beginning, if we could control the overhead, regardless of what sales are going to be in the first six months, you'll come out better because mm-hmm. you can put in all the hard work you want and the money, the profit can go in your pocket and you feel it. You're not paying it to the bank. You're not doing all that kind of stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, even with the low overhead cost startup of the restaurant. I mean, by that first winter, I felt the winter blues for sure being the, the style that I opened up. I mean, there was, three weeks of, I didn't pay myself. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I had to take care of my other employees. And I mean, it's, it's, it's not all glitz and glory for sure. There's a lot more to it than there's a lot of things that go on behind that people never see. They just, they see it now. And, and I'm, I'm fortunate obviously for that, but I mean, there's a lot of hard work and true, like blood, sweat and tears and no sleep. And that yeah. got us to this point that people, People look at it now coming up and like, oh, wow, this is a really nice restaurant. It's That's why I'm going to hang so many photos up and everything whenever we get the restaurant enclosed is because to try and tell that story. I like that. And I'm going to digress just a little bit because he got ahead of where I was at in this uh, great story of Butcher Barbecue Stand. Um so we have this concept. We have it in our head. We know what we want to do. Levi's got the property, um, thanks to like we're going to call it like we call it. We're, we're we are who we are. Thanks to Graham. That's that's our that's our that's her name to us. So thanks to Graham, um, we've got the property. Um, so we start looking around for Connex. But in the meantime, there's so many other things that you have to do. We did do. We you have to play out every aspect as far as even all the way down to your menu, what do you serve and how do you plan on pricing it to understand where am I going to buy it? There's, there's so many plays you got to do just to get to turn the key. 
Um, let's go over just a little bit. Um, what did you do any marketing before you opened? Did you do anything at all? How did you feel what you did do? What do you feel like you should have done more? Just lots of questions into that. So, uh, one thing I was really prominent about, I remember the first, like we brought the Connex out there and I had already ordered a banner, um, that says like future home of butcher barbecue stand. And that was really important for me is to start the hype train, get people involved during the construction of keep them involved. And you know what I mean? I tried so to, on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I created a Facebook and I just tried to get that following before we even got served any food out of it. Just the whole, because people obviously knew your story of like the barbecue and, and, and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, I put a big sign out, said future home of butcher barbecue stand. Um, I knew that I wanted to use certain farms that you had used, uh, like Creekstone farm briskets and stuff. And so we had got a hold of, um, Benny Keith. And so we went up, did a cutting with Benny Keith and we did a bunch of different brisket cuttings and I tried a bunch of different chickens and pork and that's kind of how we got started doing all that. But I already had a idea of what I wanted to use. I just had to make sure that it would work at the restaurant. Yeah. We had done some caterings just like everybody else in barbecue. We, we had recipes. We knew what we wanted to do as far as sides and we tested tons of sides. Um, more than what you see here. And some of them are thrown into his catering menu. Some are not. Uh, some of the things we did, we actually played with the menu as far as flavors. One of the best things we come up with was a smoked coleslaw. Yeah, a cold smoke. Yeah. We loved the coleslaw being smoked. We cold smoked the cabbage. But as a, we, we put ourselves in the, in the, consumer i guess you could say yeah and if you're eating barbecue non-stop we felt like you needed to clean your palate with something to taste the next piece of protein the next meat so we chose against that so that not everything was smoked there was a little contradiction in there yeah. on the plate so that was really important um Let's go. Let's let's take a real quick step of. We got the Connex. We're working on it just whenever we can. We're mm-hmm. we're doing a floor. We I remember some of the grand opening things we did. Um, mm-hmm. We got our license. Sorry, you got your license, and before we opened, we was catering an alumni banquet. Yeah. So I had. I had scheduled a soft opening, which is was I invited a ton of friends and family and local newspaper and um, our state representative, the county seats, just people around the community. But I, I had also scheduled um, the Wellston Alumni Banquet, and that was going to be our first public eating for the restaurant. And so we did that. We did. I think I did the soft opening on Thursday. We did the alumni banquet on Friday, and a Mike Grant opening was on Saturday. That sounds right. Yeah, I think that's yeah. how I, I think. I'm pretty sure that's how I rolled with it. And if I'm not mistaken, we had this. We thought we had it dialed in. We're oh, going to do this. We're going to do that. Yeah. We're going to cook briskets like this, pork mm. like this. And we did our soft opening. We did the catering. We did the grand opening. And that night, we started changing. Oh, yeah, 100%. We started changing our cooking process to meet for the masses. We thought we had it figured out. Well, sadly mistaken. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Uh, Colton, that still works for me, he's worked there since day one, which is my cousin. 
and we talk about all the time like how there is not one thing we do the same way. And we laugh about how we used to do things. It was like, <laughs> why were you idiots? Like, why were we even doing that? That's not, there's, we were, yeah, there are so many steps. The The goal is, is from meat cutting was that you always taught me is you want to touch things the least amount of times. And goodness gracious, the way, the amount of times we are touching things before yeah. to what we are now. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's We're a right. well-oiled machine now. But. <laughs> um, something that that's in my head, I don't know if it goes into this exact time frame of the podcast, but uh, something I, I'm thinking marketing um, on that world, but it's, it's, it's a little saying that I've always said and I've always had, and I know I've said it to you a hundred times, um, but this is something that I'd love for everybody out in the podcast world to really pay attention to and think real quick. I'm going to make a statement. Levi, don't answer this yet. <laughs> I want everyone to think if they know what the answer is. And, and my question is, is when is your sale complete? When, when's your sale? When's, when's the sale finalized? Um, think about that for just a moment. Um, when do you think it might be? Um, if you're catering, or if you're selling a hard good like a bottle of rub, or if you're passing a plate of hot food out, out a window, think about it. When is your sale complete? Levi, what's your answer? When the customer comes back. Did y'all catch that? When the customer comes back. That has been our goal from cutting meat to selling a, a bottle of sauce to serving a, a meat locker platter full we personally feel like the sale is complete whenever the customer comes back. That's ultimately our final answer on that whole question. We can drop the mic right there. We're done. Um, do you understand that? That's that's something we want you to get and understand that we we've never felt when if we was cutting up a um, uh, Angus beef for somebody and and even though we might give it to them. It's be frozen packaged box. They out the door. They give us a check until they come back and, and call us for another uh, slaughter date. We knew that we didn't know if we were, if we met their expectations on it. That's the way we feel or Levi feels with this restaurant until someone comes back and orders another slab of ribs. That's when we know the sale is complete. That goes into the marketing that goes into everything. So that's just one thing I wanted to throw out there. Okay. We got that done. We got the restaurant opened. Um, what was any short-term goals? What did you do to help get things out there as far as customer base? Um, like you said, first winter woes are there. We know. But there was a was there anything in particular that you felt like you were trying to do or accomplish other than daily specials or weekend specials? Anything? So I knew that uh, for people listening, that's has never seen photos or anything. It literally was a 40 foot connex in a field with some spools and picnic tables out front. I had no cover. I bought like nine umbrellas. We'd set up every day, half of them a blow away by the end of the day. <laughs> and, uh, I knew my first, first large goal as growing was it wasn't going to be smokers or bigger kitchen or a catering truck or anything like that. I had to get cover for my customers. And so that was my first big goal was to get enough money I looked into those big, you'd see them above, um, for, I thought it was going to be cost effective, uh, 
um, car dealerships have them for Hale now. Like they're okay. the, yeah, the big yeah. posts with like the tarp looking thing. I thought that was going to be efficient for money, but those are crazy expensive. And so I ended up um, doing metal. And so I built a, a 40 by 60 awning over the restaurant. Yeah. And, and what made you even think of that? Why? Uh, I think it was just because I was looking at those other tarps and, I, and uh, a local guy had came down and ate and he's like, man, you should just build a, like a, an awning or no, I think actually I might've went to, um, actually I, the reason I thought of the awning was because of the Jack Daniels, the dinner on the Hill. Uh-huh. Uh, they have that big pavilion up there. And I was like, I was thinking to myself like, Oh, I could tuck the stand underneath the pavilion. I think that's actually what I originally thought of. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Cause that's the way the whole setup is. Yeah, it's just an awning. It's not a building, but it's more, you were staying in touch with what you was hearing from your customers. Well, yeah, like everybody, I could see, obviously, that rain was a problem, and I could see that heat was a problem, or I could see, you know what I mean? I was just trying to answer answer to them, and it's not yeah. what, I'm not the one standing out there. And so I was just trying to make it more comfortable. So fast forward just a little bit to answer that question with another question is, I mean, I just enclosed the whole thing with air conditioning and everything. And everybody's asking me why you're killing what it is. Why are you doing that? And my thing is, is uh, the three negatives I always hear about the restaurant is that it's hot when it's summer, it's cold when it's winter and there's bugs and there's no bathroom. And so in my mind, if I can fix those four things, Georgia or Jimmy that wrote me an email that said the testimonial food was amazing. Uh, there's a lot of bees or there's a lot of flies. If I could fix that one thing for him, now that's a perfect experience and then they'll come back. It's It relates back to the original thing. I'm just trying to fix. So to, basically in your comment box, you're fixing your comments is what yeah, you're that, that, that Literally, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to fix what the problem is. Yeah. And so to me, now their experiences are perfect. Yeah, waiting to see now what they've got to yeah. say. Yeah, you're going to have those that just love the death out of you, and yeah. you're going to have those that oh, yeah. like their uncle's barbecue yeah. better anyway. It doesn't matter what you do. If you fed them with a silver knife and fork, mm-hmm. you're going to have those. That's that's business, That's folks. the hardest pill to swallow as a restaurant owner is you – and I, I still haven't swallowed it, but you can't please everyone. <laughs> Yeah. And I try. I really, really, really try. Because I'm not in the business to piss people off. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Um, digress. Just We're going to step step again backwards and forwards. We're going to go all over with this um, conversation. But I myself remember talking to our mayor standing out front the first week you were open. Because mm-hmm. if I remember right, we opened and we were doing a little something changing out front. I don't remember what it was. But Paul and I was standing out front. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, he said, Dave, what's your goals for Levi? Mm-hmm. And immediately, very quickly, I answered, not to come home. <laughs> You know, let's be real. If he can make it and he can pay his own house payment, he's not coming home. So yeah. that was my goal for Levi. Yeah. Well, I remember you shutting the meat plant down. I, I had been open 30 days, 40 days. Let's see, I opened in May. You closed in August. August, yep. Yeah, so I'd only been up a couple of months. I remember that phone call you calling me. I was standing around back sweating, and you said, well, do you think you can make a house payment? And I went, I hope so. I think so. And then you said, oh, I think I'm going to hang up the knives. Yep, that was. I remember that conversation. That was hard for me. Yeah, that was extremely hard. I'd been in it 34 years, Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to tell you that decision. 
And the decision was, I mean, you were the young, strong back for me. Mm-hmm. There was no doubt about it. Levi being there cutting meat and everything allowed me to go up and down the road, cook contests, do whatever. You had, you had went there. You'd opened up your restaurant. It was getting successful. Was it at that point? I'd say for a grand opening, it was successful. Yeah, for the, what are we, the grace period? What do we call it? The angel period the or whatever? anniversary? You newlywed, newlywed. Yeah, newlywed period. Yeah, yeah. That that was that was great. We hadn't went through a winter yet. Mm-hmm. Didn't know. My whole thought process was with the meat shop. I'll shut it down, turn it off. We'll shut the coolers down. It took me about three months to get through my waiting list. Mm-hmm. I was taking. I, I quit taking on kill dates, mm-hmm. um, and so I was finishing out everything we had on the books. We went from that and. It, that was extremely hard. It was difficult for me because just like passion of cooking, that was my passion. Mm-hmm. I Levi worked with me. Gosh, I can remember you standing on a milk crate, pushing meat down a grinder Frozen for me. Frozen bull meat into yeah. an top Hobart. That's right. And that's, I was the first generation in that and I enjoyed and I loved teaching you how to do that. And that is what has given you some knowledge to grow and go do what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. The next step, little Charlie or my granddaughter, his, his daughter, she might take it and go another step with it. We don't know. And yeah. that's going to be her choice. Yeah. Maybe. She turns out to be like a vegan vet veterinarian. And it'll be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but long story short, um, he's opened. We went through the first winter, always things to learn. We were we, we did tons of testing um, on what to do with it. Um, some of the things that I remember myself was some leftover ribs or leftover brisket or something. We would take them down to the local dollar store, down to um, uh, town hall, pass them out. We'd give them to the fire department. We were adamant about wanting fresh food, keeping it as fresh as possible, everything like that. But that also worked as a marketing tool down the road. Mm-hmm. We found that out. Um, we we originally, I, I do remember the opening winter. We kind of, if you took a protractor and went around in the circle, we were going, market a 20-mile radius. Start working mm-hmm. on this 20 miles out from where you're at. Mm-hmm. Then the next winter, we, we grew it, we grew it, we grew it. And now there's not really a protractor so, big enough. So, believe it or not, I... The first time that I ever spent money on advertising was probably three years in. Three years. Yeah. What'd Everything else was um, the uh, I advertised our prime ribs and hams in a magazine in Oklahoma City. Okay. That, and that, yep. that's all it was for. The holiday I, items. Yeah, I ran a, a quarterly deal in Edible OKC. Okay. But um, everything else was word of mouth. I mean, you got to think within six to nine months, Channel 90 came out, Discover Oklahoma came out, Channel 5 came out, or Channel 4 came out. Like, is this a great state or what? Uh, So we just started getting, like, fast publicity really quickly, and so that was just kind of thrown in. So we hit this really fast peak, and it kind of dove down, and as soon as that stuff hit, it it really raised us up. And then, uh, it, trying to be humble as possible, but it never really went back down after that. It, it kind of always just stayed there. It stayed with the weather, though. 
When the weather was good? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. that's what I'm saying. We went through that rough winter, and then they came out to those stories like early first winter, and it just it just stayed right there. Like oh, that yeah. really gave us a push with the, the local news stations and stuff like that. So with that, did you stay with your Facebook? Did you start? Oh, yeah, I've always been else? on Facebook. I'm, uh, uh, I think being and interacting with your customers is the best thing you can do. Not not over interact with them but I, i'm a very i'm not like a facebook poster i'm not i'm not one of the daily restaurant people that post but i find that when i post once a week or anything like that i i get more out of one a week it's kind of like the whole thing i've always said if you go on vacation every other week it's not vacation anymore and so i feel the same way with social media if if you overpopulate your social media then people lose it's like, oh, damn, there's another ad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I, I use it a little differently. It's more special. It's kind of like getting the food there. It's more of a thing when you get it. It's because it's only three days a week, and then you got to wait in line and stuff like that. And so I kind of treat our social media the same way. When I do post something, it's usually pretty important. Other than the daily, if we're sold out of food, I always try to post that. But as far as announcements or anything, I've always just yeah. tried it once a week kind of person. Okay, you're open three days a week. Mm-hmm. We're going along here. We're clicking. It's one, two years. What, what, what do you feel you have done to grow? Okay, we know that we can serve food Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Your caterings. Mm-hmm. Um, you've really gotten pretty big in the caterings. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what did you do to help grow that part of the business? Anything particular? Um, turn out a really good product every day. So you think your war- window, the world of the window serving is what got you catering as much. strictly word of mouth. hundred percent. I have never advertised catering. Uh, it says it on the menu. Ask us about catering. That's really it. Uh, it's something that has organically grown through the business of somebody, John come up and eat and go, man, this is really good. I'm gonna tell my boss about it. And then his boss calls me and then we end up doing their Christmas deal. And then they invite two people from another company that they do business with. And then they're like, Oh, that's good. And then, then now we're in the two companies and it's, it's just this organic thing that's built. And we have a lot of, we have a really big customer base of just catering people that I had never seen at the restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we do a, we do a lot of stuff like say the Oklahoma city bombing Memorial people. We do a lot of business with them and, but I don't, there's Dustin Potter. I see him there. He's one of the guys that works up there, but I mean, that that's, That's it's just, it's yeah. We have like a cutter, like a catering customer base. And then we have like our general population customer base. If you want to call it, I I know exactly what you're talking about. The place where I buy my boxes to ship a lot of stuff out of, Mm -hmm. I went up there to pick up some boxes one time. And they had talked, you had catered something for them. I think it was a summertime deal. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a company picnic. I don't remember what Mm -hmm. it was, but they were tickled to death. They'd never put the two together. David's processing was part of that. How funny. Yeah. And I said, it it was real. I didn't get any free boxes out of it, but um, (laughs) we did get a a little pat on the back for it. And I was like, they had never put that together. Yeah. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. You have to actually love it. Uh, it. It's a passion. It's not a paycheck. That's what I try and tell people that 
always ask me that they're just trying to make money or something like that, or they think it would be a good job is you have to love it because you are dedicating your life to that. It's on you. And the other thing is, uh, go to trade school, learn small electrical, small plumbing, uh, things like that, that you can, huh? Refrigeration, the, the things like that, where that's where I don't have that knowledge. And so, you run into those problems constantly at a restaurant is there's always something that has to be worked on. And so I always try and tell people that if you can learn some easy trades where it can get you through a little bit of that kind of thing, that, that will definitely benefit you in the long run. Yeah, I agree. That's great points, great points. And we didn't even touch on a deal. What we've always talked about, what's your number? Um, you want yeah. to grow, you want to grow, you want to keep going. Um, and that's something that him and a, uh, another fellow restaurateur um, out of Kansas City that we're all friends with, um, we're always asking, he was always asking um, sales. Well, what's your sales? Um, how much do you still need to grow? And it, well, let, let's just t- briefly touch on what yeah, I'm so talking about. I, I, uh, I called Todd Johns that owns Plowboys up in, uh, at that time he just had the Blue Springs location. And we probably, I don't know, we talked on the phone a long time. And he had said something, not even directly, I don't think he ever understood the impact I made on my decision making. But um, he said, Levi, he said, what's your number? And I said, now do what? And he just kind of explained to me that every guy's got a number in life. Like how have, do you want to be, do you want to, do you want to be the guy at the restaurant or do you want to be the name at the restaurant? Do you want to be, do you, it's kind of a legacy thing. Like, do you want to make a a ton of money and not be around and you know what I mean? And so he just kind of explained to me that with one restaurant he had, uh, he was doing such and such amount of numbers. We had another friend that had another very large restaurant in Kansas city and he was running these amount of numbers in sales. Not as I'm not talking about personal I'm talking yeah. total net on the restaurant. And then you had Todd still run seven days a week. And then they had another place in Kansas that was kind of do what I was about to do. It was three to four days a week. And they had these amount of sales. And they were astronomically different from like 800000 to a $3 million, uh, $3 million operation to like a $10 million operation. And Todd said, at the end of the day, we're all probably bringing home the same amount of money. How much and, dedication you want to put in? Yeah. How much it's, time you want to yeah, put on it's it? It's just, it's about yeah. what you want to, what do you want out of life? You know what I mean? And so, and, and Todd told me at that time, he's like, I'm at the point of where I love just running the business. He, he's got a great staff to run the restaurant part where he can set back and run it as a business. And that's what he wants to do. And that's what he really enjoys doing is running the business. And where I was, I wanted to be cutting all the brisket and you know what I mean? I want to run the business also, but I want to be at the restaurant. And I, I think along with that also, it's like how, what your number is, is do you want to dedicate, let's be real, your life, your, your awakening yeah. hours to the restaurant Yeah. or do you, are you the kind that feels and believes that, I can put eight hours in there just like I'm going to an office cubicle. Mm-hmm. And then when I go home, I'm going to go um, run my dirt bike. I'm going to go yeah. play with the kids. I'm mm-hmm. going to go to the baseball games. Not, I'm not going to say not realizing, but how much of your time is your number? Mm-hmm. Um, if your number needs to be larger, that in, that well, something has to give. You only awake 
so many hours a day. Right, yeah. So that's your number also. It's your time in it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's something I wanted to go over real quick with you. Um, the other thing is, is let's, let's get into a little bit of what makes Levi think of how to bring on a meat locker, how to, how to put this <laughs> awning up, how to, the, the way you, you, you design and do it. So let's tell everybody. Okay. Let's start with food. All right. Let's what this, what this is about. What is your favorite food outside of barbecue? What time of day is it? No. <laughs> um, golly. Uh, I probably would say pizza. Pizza. I love pizza. Yeah. All right. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. But now I'm going to inject you with a truth serum. Okay? okay. You have to answer this truthfully. Okay. Come to pizza. You said pizza. Yeah. You like a deep dish? You like a thin crust? Whoo. Truth serum. Mmm. I'm going to say thin crust, but not like thin crust. I'm saying like home style. I'm not saying like thin, thin. I'm not talking about the, the paper stuff, <laughs> but I'd say home style. Like, all right. Yeah. All right. Hand tossed. Hand tossed. There you go. Hand tossed. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go into another truth serum question okay. here real quick. Are you a hot dog person or a bratwurst person? Bratwurst all day. Oh, okay. Ketchup, mustard, sauerkraut. On the, on the bratwurst? Yeah. Sauerkraut with, uh, Coarse ground mustard. Oh, there you go. Okay. Now, you still got enough serum in you, so we're going to have to ask this. <laughs> More for the adult world. Are you a beer person, a whiskey person, or are you a tea drinker? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Uh, whew, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'd definitely veer towards whiskey bourbon. Okay. On your whiskey, you mix it or you straight up? Depends on what I'm doing. Depends on the okay. depends on the bourbon. Depends right. on, yeah. Depends on a lot of things. There's a little, little, little true serum. That's 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 what we wanted to know. Yeah. Tell us about your hobbies. What do you got going? Let's see. Um, I like spending time with my daughter. I love oh, spending time. Oh, that's with my paying paying your bills right there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm into cars. I like cars. Uh, I'm into custom cars. I'm into Oki sleds, which is a pre sixty three. Custom car club, lead sleds. Uh, I got a couple cars. Um, I'm into cooking. I love cooking and uh, I'm into duck hunting. Um, Pretty broad spectrum. Yeah, I'm into collecting whiskeys and bourbons. We just went to the Jack Daniels with dad. And I think I ended up coming up with 36 different bottles of <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> they had to take half of my load home because we had enough room in the car. Yeah, it was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, all right. Well, everybody, that's 38 minutes for this podcast. I think that's going to be a real beautiful um, start. Um, I'd like to thank Levi for coming in and chatting with us. Woo woo. like that. All right, folks. Um, we're about to end this podcast. Levi, tell everybody real quick where they can locate you. Uh, you can find us at the uh, on Facebook. At, it's the Butcher BBQ Stand, and then on Instagram at the Butcher Barbecue Stand. And uh, uh, website uh, ButcherBBQStand.com. Uh, phone number is four zero five two four zero thirty four thirty seven. I have my email on there. If you guys have any questions or anything like that, you can always hit me up. 
All right, bud. I appreciate your time, and I know you got to get back to any and everything you got going on. Everybody, hit that subscribe button so you do not miss out on any episodes coming up. We're going to try to do this at least once a week, and stay tuned on our Facebook page, Butcher Barbecue, at Facebook, and then our ButcherBarbecue.com. Thanks. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast. <laughs>